Welcome to another episode of CHN Radio, and I am here with the homie Adam Goffin, and we're going to talk about the latest news that hit the uh, the Newcastle universe. Newcastle have a new manager. Adam, is that true? It is true. His name is Edward Howe, and he is from the South, Bournemouth specifically, for many, many years, and has come to join us now in our beloved Newcastle. Um, I'm pretty excited. I don't know how you're feeling, Elijah. Um, I, 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 you said Eddie Howe. Um, I was always told by myself that it's Eddie Ho. Oh no, it's Eddie Howe for sure. Yeah, I th- Adam, I think you might have you might have been on you might have been on a I might have been on you the False Nines or something, or you guys were on or on CHN Radio where you might have first come across that where I said Eddie <laughs> Ho, and um, and you were like, it's not how you say this guy's name. <laughs> It does. Uh, it does seem familiar. And I also seem to remember that you were drinking a little bit of whiskey that night as well. So I didn't know if that was like the whiskey talking or maybe. Oh, just... no, I there. I, it stemmed from like initially, like I legitimately thought that's how you said his name for like a while. Like I said on a podcast, just like in passing. And Greg was like, what? No, that's not you don't. His name is not Eddie Ho. Uh, so it's just a, a running joke. Um, that I don't, we'll see how long the joke lasts because it was funny when we played Bournemouth, like, you know, twice a season. And so you'd hear that maybe two podcasts in a year, but now that it's the coach for the foreseeable future, I don't know how long people are going to put up with, uh, Eddie Ho jokes. You know what, you know what, I'll give you this one, Elijah. If it's Ho-way the lads versus Howway the lads. Yeah. You've you've got it right there. Ho-way the lads is the right way to say it. It's true. It's true. But yes, um, this is CHN Radio, um, you know, the number one uh, black and white Newcastle podcast um, because I am black and Adam is white. Um, nice. Adam's doing a little fill in hosting. I don't really have a co-host anymore. So just kind of vibes. Um, I'm Elijah. If you don't know that, you can follow me at Elijah underscore Newsom on the Twitter. On the Twitters, follow the podcast account at CHN underscore podcast. Um, and follow the main account at coming in UFC. Um, Adam doesn't have uh, Twitter, so don't follow him. If you Do see not. another, if you see an Adam out there on Twitter, it's not this Adam. I'll give a shout out for my co-host on the on the False Nines, though Zach Penzak. He said it so many times. I know he's at Z Penzak, P-E-N-S-A-K. Give him a follow. I have no idea don't. what he what he updates. We, we don't have to. We don't have to follow Zach. He was he was on the last time, so we we really don't have to follow Zach. That's fine. So, I thought uh, I'd try and throw him some love, but no, no love for for Zach on this podcast. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. On November eighth, uh, Newcastle were delighted to confirm the appointment of Eddie Howe as the club's new head coach on a contract until summer twenty twenty four. Real quick, just want to point out the language here: head coach. That's the same language Steve Bruce was given. Um, I don't know if that's a thing, like, and maybe you might know this, Adam, is that a thing now? Is our managers no longer managers? Are they now all coaches and they're only responsible for the tactical side of things and everything else is now divvied up amongst, uh, you know, the sporting director, or technical director, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Generally when you've got a head coach, you also have a, to your point, a technical director or a director of football. 
And the purpose of that is to have somebody that really is in charge of really overseeing all incoming transfer activity. Um, obviously, Eddie will have some sort of say in that. But he's used to that setup. He had that same setup at Bournemouth. There was a technical director there. So this will be nothing new to him. To your point, I think it's just a it's a fancy way of saying that he'll be in charge of on-field affairs, how they're lining up the team, but not necessarily all the incoming transfers. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so there's a couple quotes. Uh, I mean, Eddie says, it's a great honor to be the head coach of a club with the stature and history of Newcastle United. It's a proud day through my family. Um, wonderful opportunity, but there's also a lot of work ahead of us. And I'm eager to get onto the training ground and start working with the players. Spoiler alert, he did the very next day. Um, and he'd like to thank the club's owners for this opportunity and thank the club supporters for the incredible welcome they've already given me. Very excited to be begin our journey together. Amanda Stavely um, has been kind of the go-to for a lot of this stuff in terms of comments, she said, as well as his obvious achievements at AFC Bournemouth, where he, he had a transformational impact. He is a passionate, dynamic coach who has clear ideas about taking this team and club forward. He's a great fit for what we're trying to build here. We are delighted to welcome Eddie and his staff to St. James Park and St. James's Park and very much looking forward to working together towards our collective ambitions. So that's what the club said. Um, we, we then took to the, the Twitter streets and did a little three words. So I'll read a few of these off, Adam, and then I'll get your immediate reaction sort of day of you found the news. This is before we kind of know what we know now. Um, I just want your initial reaction. So I'll do three words first. Um, a friend of ours, Mr. Still Your Worldwide, under, at yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo, says, anxiously anticipating results. A whole halfway says, I'm excited. Concrete underscore NUFC. Aaron says, chuffed, properly chuffed. NUFC Bants at NC Bants says, more than happy. Stork9 at Stork912 says, better than Bruce. Eric Schmidt, NUFC Indiana, says exactly what's needed. Malcolm McDonald at the Magic Beetle, at the Magic Beetle, how's the bacon? That's a good one. Um, Maddie Harrison <laughs> says, a new hope. JHM at Hope 541, suddenly feel positive. Um, I can't pronounce this. Bjorn Mistern says, suck me beautiful. And Greg Troxel says, <laughs> at GTrox24, um, a familiar name, says, how's a hoe? Um, which is a, it says, how's a how, but I know what he meant because he knows the jokes. So, um, that's, so overall positive, um, positive, uh, reactions from the fans. Adam, what was your initial reaction? So initial reaction when the Emery rumors fell through mm -hmm. was one, honestly, of disappointment and, I think it's because we were initially linked with such high profile names, right? Antonio Conte, Ten Hag, um, then Emery as well. These world renowned managers who have won international, sorry, have won um, European trophies before and have won had a lot of great success at their respective clubs. And I had a conversation with a friend and had a little bit of a reality check in that I feel like that's the sort of manager we should be going for once we're an established top half of the table, qualifying for Europe regularly side. And um, he brought up the point that when Manchester City got purchased, they brought in Mark Hughes as their first manager. And that that really kind of hit me, right? You know, that they didn't always have Pep Guardiola, although it seems like it right now, he's been there forever. Um, they did start off very slowly with bringing in Mark Hughes and they brought in Rubinho as their first signing, marquee signing. And that gave me a little bit of perspective in that, you know, we need to be realistic in the targets that we're aiming for. And the more I thought about Eddie Howe and the more I kind of read up on his journey to get where he's gotten today, um, he's gone through some adversity as a player, having to retire through injury. He's taken Bournemouth from basically the fourth tier of English football and on negative 17 points with zero budget to spend on players. And he's come in there as a, a young manager, really with not a lot of experience. And he saved that club from relegation and brought them up into the top division. Right. And what we need now is somebody that can come in, be a motivator, a man motivator and inspire this hapless group of players to somehow avoid relegation this season. And he will get investment in January without a doubt. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see what he'll do with the existing players as well and what he can kind of bring out of them that they've been lacking under Bruce, if you will. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, I mean, only other thing I would add is I think I same, same sentiment. Um, I was honestly a bit shocked about the Emory news. I think once we saw other, you know, people's names sort of slowly fall out of the picture, like I know five or eight, 10 hog, like some of those guys, we knew Conte, we knew early on that they had kind of rejected offers. Um, didn't weren't weren't interested in this project, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, I think that Roberto Martinez was another one who was like kind of in the fold, et cetera, et cetera. But like at the end of the day, it's 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 quite undertaking um, for any manager um, to to take. You know, you see ownership and you see how much money you get to spend. But when you look at the table, I mean, Newcastle were 19th. They might have even been 20th before. Um, we signed before Eddie Howe was officially announced um, for for a brief stint just due to how the, the games were were going. Um, and so it's just you're walking into that. And again, it's not impossible. Um, you know, when, you know, I think Rafa's first Premier League season points totals wise, we were in a similar um, we were at a similar point um, at this stage in the season. And I mean, certainly under Bruce, we've we've had some slow starts. Um, so it's not out of the realm of possibility um, to, to save this team for relegation. But each week it was like you're digging yourself a deeper and deeper grave. And so for any manager to go in there and put stake their reputation on that, um, even though, you know, you feel good about being able to get back up. It's a it's a tough ask. Um, and I think Eddie's a good fit um, in that regard. Uh, he, he's been in a relegation scrap. He's he's he knows how his team got relegated. Um, he's, you know, one promotion. So again, all around great guy, uh, you know, from everything we were reading beforehand, I think for me, the other thing that stuck out was um, as great as Unai Emery um, is as a manager, it seemed like for the interview portion, Eddie was the more prepared manager uh, coming, coming to the table. That's all you heard about um, regarding those two guys in their interviews though. The weekend before was Eddie came to the table with a plan of how he wanted to use certain players how, what he wanted to do, um, what what his plan was to keep the team up, um, how he wanted to play, um, and then of course, like you know, even potential January signings. Um, again, uh, likely some Liverpool rejects, but January signings nonetheless came to the table with them. Uh, so Eddie came. Uh, you know, it was announced. Um, it was kind of very much a, a lot of rumors, et cetera, et cetera. And then his first day on the job, um, Eddie goes and shows up to training at 6.55 a.m. And you would think that Newcastle won the league with the reactions on social media to a manager showing up like early, you know, crack of dawn um, to, to undertake, to take take uh, his first training session. And then, Adam, um, I don't know if you got a chance to see these, the initial training videos. Um, and then I think a lot of people felt as the, at ease after seeing the first training video. And I think a lot of people were really excited. Um, Adam, just day one of the Eddie experience, uh, anything stick out to you um, once you saw those training videos or any of the stories you heard from, from the first day of him being on the job? Yeah, it was, it was awesome to watch. And I, I did see the the clips that were released to the press on the training videos and it was so refreshing to see a manager to get stuck in with the players like that. And what immediately was one of my first reactions in watching it was how gassed some of those players were. Um, he was really pushing them on the very first day of training. And there's quite a few of them that are away on international duty right now. Neil Kraft's away. I believe Miggy's away. Um, quite a few players are on international duty. But the ones that were there, I think, got kind of a rude awakening as to what their future is going to look like. Looking at John Joe Shelby out there struggling with the pace of the training was pretty pretty hilarious. Um, And I just loved how hands-on Eddie Howe was with all of it. Um, There was a comment he made in there that really stuck out for me, which was like, don't wait for the ball to come to you, go to the ball. And it's so obvious. And I just feel like it's probably even though it's so obvious, it's something that hasn't been said enough on the training field over the course of the last few seasons. And these players have grown complacent. So having somebody in that is going to push the envelope with them, not take shit, really push them to be the best players that they can be. And if they're not willing to do that, cast them off to the side, I think is going to be amazing. Um, I, I was really, really impressed with, with his first training session. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and it was very genuine and it was very um, on brand to what we had read and heard about him. I know the Chronicle has a really good write up. I think it's Karen Kelly who did this. Um, that was like a bunch of former players and former people who worked with Eddie, um, like man, like former um, owners of, of Bournemouth as well. And like one of them was uh, was when Eddie took over the team, a guy who played with him and was the captain. And Eddie stripped him of his captaincy because he's like, hey, you're not putting in enough work. And this is like it's like his friend. It's like going to your best friend and, you, you know, you, you're thinking you're good because, you know, your best friend's now the boss. And then he fires you day one because he's like, hey, you're you're not working hard enough. And uh, so, I mean, I love that attitude. I mean, he's had so many good gyms. Um, the full video they released, it's on YouTube. If you haven't seen it, he's got them doing the, uh, the as the UK folks call it, the bleep test. And then in America, we call it the pacer test, um, a classic, a, a staple for anyone who's played any sort of sport that'll that'll do you that that'll that, that that's not fun i'll say that that's usually reserved for <laughs> for uh pre-season cardio and training and he's got them doing that mid-season during the international break and that's how he starts off training he talked about movement um there's a few few gyms in there about him talking about you know we need to move without the ball like we we have to be an option you can't like you're saying you can't stand around you have to make yourself an option. And then some other stuff about uh, another quote that stuck out to me was he was saying, you didn't hear what he said before this, but he said, it's not criticism. It's just a different way of training. And, uh, and that's just like, that's good because he, everything you hear about Steve Bruce from former players, from the guys there, he's a really nice guy. He's a great man manager. And you, uh, you did think, especially with certain players, John Joe is, uh, yeah, we don't want to pick on him, but he's a guy who, did not respond well to Rafa Benitez, who criticized players a lot. Other players did respond well to that. And uh, he he responded really well to Steve Bruce just kind of letting him be and, and not really being as critical. So that that's that's cool. And um, it was fun. It was a cool, again, check out the video. Um, it's cool to see a manager also who's actively participating in training too, which is something that I don't think, I just don't think Steve Bruce would have ever done. Um, not not in his current state, at least. Um, he's, no, he's got no. about, he's got about twenty years on uh, Eddie Howe, though. To be fair, oh yeah, no, he does. No, Eddie's Eddie's young. He he's like what forty three or forty four. Like he's mm-hmm. he's young. Um, and so okay, and then today, as we're recording this, Eddie had his first press conference. We got the first interview. Um, v- seems very excited to be a part of this. Um, I think some telling things. Um, today was, I mean, he handled. He uh, spoke, obviously, had nothing but respect for the club, but also spoke about what he's been doing um, in his time away from football. I mean, he's been gone 15 months and just talking about how he really took some time to better himself. Um, he, he studied underneath some managers. He studied, um, you know, stuff he did wrong, really wanted to, you know, make himself better, which is really, really exciting to hear, especially considering that there are some concerns um, with Eddie. Um, most notably, Newcastle have a terrible defense. Um, Eddie's Bournemouth team were not known for having great defenses. They they were some of the worst defenses in the Premier League. Yeah, they were fun to watch. They played, you know, fun, you know, football and all that good stuff, but they were not great defensively. So I'm curious to see if that's something that he, you know, put an effort into. Uh, I'm sure he did um, improving um, over the last 15 months. Anything, you know, from... I don't know if, how much you've seen today, uh, Adam. Anything from today stick out to you? Um, or just kind of, you know, in the last three days, anything that has gotten you really excited about about Eddie and uh, and what what's to come? Yeah, I mean, pl- plenty. I, I would just say just as a follow-up to what you mentioned about the defensive side, that that's a concern for me also. Um, Jason Tindall, who is like basically one of Howe's best friends, he was there at Bournemouth as well. He's expected to be joining the um, the backroom staff at Newcastle here pretty soon, and will be really in charge of the defensive side of it. So um, he was the defensive coach at, at Bournemouth. So it's interesting to see. I wonder how much how will really have an influence on that, or whether he'll still continue to lean on um, Tyndall, who's over at Sheffield United right now, and they're going to bring him in from there. Anyway, I digress. As far as what I got excited about, I think most top of that list for me is, is, is definitely the way he described the way he likes to play football. Right. He said, I like to play football the way I would like to watch it. Right. Attacking, um, 
high energy, high tempo, getting at teams and trying to disrupt them, not waiting for them to come at you, um, trying to get on the offensive from, from the start. And there was a quote, I believe I read about um, how he actually told his Bournemouth teams that they needed to get at Newcastle really early at St. James's Park to quiet the crowd down. Mm. Now the inverse is true. He's going to want Newcastle to get at other teams to make sure that they don't, they don't do that to, to the tune at St. James's Park. So I'm just really excited to see, and we've talked about it for a while, and I was trying to think back this evening, Elijah, to like when was the last time I saw a team, a Newcastle team, go at it from an attacking standpoint? I think the last time was probably Sir, Sir Bobby Robson's Newcastle. You think about when Alan Shearer was still there, we had Gary Speed, even our old friend Warren Barton was there um, at the tune. And, and that was really the last time we started seeing a free-scoring Newcastle team. I don't think we had that under Pardew. Benitez, that's not his style. He's more counter-attacking. Uh, we certainly didn't have it under Bruce. So yeah. I'm just excited to see what I would say the Keegan Robson days back at Newcastle. And that might mean shipping some goals as well, but hopefully it means some 4-3 victories that we can watch. Yeah, um, it'll be it'll be nervy for a different reason. Instead of uh, can we hold on to this one nil lead, it might be can we can we not concede two in the last ten? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited. I, I think, like you said, uh, style of play is something that um, I mean, you can. There's so many videos about um, what Eddie does tactically, but um, the 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 key thing is that one, he wants to play attacking football, and two. Um, he has a clear plan for the opponent, which is like kind of honestly the opposite of what Steve Bruce did. Rafa, you could see a, with certain opponents what his his plan was, but um, you know um, a lot of uh, definitely some consistency regarding all of Rafa's tenure, and whether that is due to the personnel he had or just how he felt Newcastle should play, that's a different debate um, altogether. But um, we haven't really seen a manager that adjusts. Um, week to week, like I think we'll see with Eddie um, as, as much as he claims and as much as players who've played underneath him claim. claim. Um, I think the the last thing about just observations over the last few days, um, Ryan Fraser actually turned down a uh, call up to, to Scotland uh, and it stayed uh, and was a part a willing and active participant in training. So that is something interesting. That I'm, was... I'm very curious to see how that pans out, especially as to how he last left it with Eddie Howe. Well, I uh, think I think that to me, that's telling that that relationship has kind of like I, I don't think he I don't think he would have avoided. I think he would have avoided Eddie and gone to Scotland um, if if there was still bad blood between them. I think it's water under the bridge at this point. I mean, I think as a player and I think Eddie would understand this as well to turn down a call up, you know, during World Cup qualifying season for your team, even if your team's not even, you know, a shoe in to qualify for World Cup, I think it's very telling about the the player's dedication to the club. I don't I can't remember the last time I've seen a player actively turn down. I mean, you know, at Newcastle at least, a player actively turned down an international call up to stay back and train. Um yeah. so I mean it's something I think I think it's water under the bridge, but you know, um, I, I'm I'm hoping it is. I, I think we need as much as we can, and you know, if if Ryan Fraser is going to be the Ryan Fraser we thought we were going to get, and it's because Eddie's his manager, then by all means, give me that, give me that. Yeah, um, yeah. absolutely. I, th- I think you know you raise a really good point there, right? We we certainly haven't seen the best of Ryan Fraser. In fact. I would I would make a case in an argument in terms of expectations versus reality that Jeff Hendrick has been more impressive than Ryan Fraser has since starting at the tune because I had very low expectations of what to expect from Hendrick. Um, he's come in, he's chipped in with a couple of goals. Fraser hasn't done that. Yeah. Fraser's struggled to stay fit. Um, Hendrick's always come in when called upon and done an okay job. Fraser. I think just fades out of games constantly, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench, he doesn't make that impact substitution. And you know, he's got it in him because of the connection he's had with Wilson in the past. But I just think he's been a super disappointing signing, albeit a free one since he, since he joined a year and a bit ago. Yeah. It, it's, it's a weird one because, you know, part of that you feel again, it's the classic and we're going to, we're finally going to see, is it, is it Bruce or is it the players? And it's like, this is a time where, we like we said anyone but Bruce. We've got someone but Bruce who, like, is 
has one worked with some of these players has brought the best out of some of these players. Um, remember Cal and Ryan had a historic season a couple seasons ago with, with Bournemouth. And, um, you know, I'm curious to see what, what happens. Um, and I mean, in Ryan's case, like he was obviously brought off the bench, um, for a lot of the time under the Bruce. And then more recently the the times he started, I don't think Ryan's ever started at like left mid or left wing. He's, he started in the midfield, like, like as a, as a central midfielder, there was one mm-hmm. match, uh, last season where Bruce, I, I mean, part of it was injuries, but geez, like you got to change your formation. If this is the case, there was a midfield three of Almiro and Ryan Fraser. And I think Jeff Hendrick, or it might've been Sean Longstaff, but it was like, those were your midfield three. And it was like, Oh my gosh, this, this can't, <laughs> this cannot be happening. Um, so yeah, I, I'm excited. Uh, let's, let's take a quick little commercial break. Um, and then we'll, we'll get into the, the, the back half of this, um, some fun hypotheticals um, that we can discuss. So we're going to take a quick, like 45 second commercial break. Okay. We are back and you probably heard some ads about, I don't know, Tillamore do maybe, I feel like I want, they did a lot of ads for us in the past. <laughs> All right. So Adam, uh, we've got a new manager, um, you know, staff starting to fill in. He's got some guys with him. I, of course, like you said, we're waiting on a few other folks. Um, we've got a, a got Newcastle has a, an advantage at this point um, because Eddie's got basically two weeks of training to kind of implement what he wants to implement ahead of Brentford, a, a match that should be winnable. So I think going into the, the next weekend, not this upcoming weekend, uh, I think a lot of people are expecting Newcastle to at least look like they should be able to contend for a win. I don't know if we will win, but I think it's one of those where it's looked like Newcastle have not this season so far. There's not a match where it looks like Newcastle um, were going to win. Maybe the Tottenham match in the beginning, but then like after the first like 15 minutes, it was very clear that that was not going to be a match Newcastle was going <laughs> to win. Um, but yeah, so um, before that, what like overall under Eddie, what do you think we can expect Newcastle to look like? Yeah, that's a good question. And I actually went back and did a little bit of homework to Bournemouth's relegation season before Eddie Howe left the club. Looked at the last 10 games of that season and the formation and the lineups that Bournemouth put out there. And, you know, they had a mixture of playing the Manchester Cities, the top teams in the league, and then some of the uh, basement dwellers as well over the course of that last 10 games. And interestingly, Elijah, they played two formations. Only two formations during that time. Do you, do you have any idea what those formations might be? Um, I'm guessing there was a f- like a, either a four-two-three-one or like a four-four-two. And then, if I remember correctly, now this is something interesting. During the, there was a lot of slack because people felt like in, in Bournemouth that Graham Jones brought a back five to Bournemouth when he came. So I don't know if that is one of the formations, but I do distinctly remember when Graham Jones was brought on and left that staff. The people were like, finally, no more back five. And that was not the case. Yeah. So I can tell you the two formations. You got one of them, right? 4-4-2 and 4-1-4-1. And the 4-1-4-1 was employed against the teams like the Manchester Cities and the Liverpools, just needing to have that extra kind of defensive midfielder in there. So as you mentioned, Newcastle, I think over the course of the last few years, have more often than not played with a uh, back five. And I think it'll be interesting to see how, especially that back line lines up, right? I think that's going to be where I'm fascinated. I think we've got plenty of options going forward. If he can get more out of those players, then awesome and play them in the correct positions. But for me, Dubrovka has to come back in. Dubrovka hasn't played a minute for Newcastle this season, has gone off on international duty, which I'm not really fond of, but I digress. I think he comes straight back in and and is the number one for, for Newcastle. And then, I, and then I think about what the back four looks like. And I wonder if we might see the return of a couple of players in Fabian Schaar and Jamal Lewis. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think Fab's got to be back in the team. It, either Fab or Federico, I just, there, there's just no way you can, you can really seriously say to me that Kieran Clark and Emil Kraft are better than, those, than, than either one of those guys. I just, I refuse to believe that. Um, I think Jamal Lewis definitely has a shot. I'm curious to see where Matt Ritchie um, fits into this team because I do think that um, his presence, although he may not be, you know, 
the like in terms of best overall player on the pitch. He may not deserve to be in the starting eleven, but I could see him at least making a few appearances in the starting eleven. Obviously, going to be on the bench regardless um, because he brings that intensity that I think Hal's going to want to play with. He's he. I think he's going to. It's going to be a mentality thing. I think Javier Minkia, who was just for some reason out of nowhere dropped last match. I think he's going to return to the fray as well. Um, I, 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 I like the idea of a back four. I think what's interesting to me is um, I wonder if there will be a pivot out of necessity, because if you look at it, Newcastle have one holding midfielder, like a proper destroyer at the club. There's only one right now and it's Isaac Hayden. And so it's like, you know, you, you, you want to, you want to play like maybe a four, one, four, one, but if you only have one player who can play that in one position, you're kind of screwed when that player, you know, possibly gets injured. And we've seen Isaac get injured before. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how much of a factor that plays into Eddie's, uh, into Eddie's, you know, team selection. Does he try the, the old Fabian Shara um, CDM experiment that uh, Steve Bruce went with, or does he revert to a, a back three um, and, and try to have wing backs that push up, Higher up the pitch, be more attacking minded. Like I'm curious to see what he does, and it's like, yeah, we can work off of recent memory, but again, he's had 15 months off, and he's he's worked with the. I mean, the Chronicle has the fullest, but he's he's been studying under a plethora of managers and seeing what everyone else is doing. So I'm curious to see like what he ends up doing, and it seems like he's actually also studied this team um, as he prepared to interview for this role, and has probably an idea of where he wants to play people. It's very interesting when you have a guy that in America we saw him, you know, excel as a number 10 in Miguel Amiron. And we've seen him, some of his best matches at Newcastle have been when he's played in that number 10 role. And he hasn't really played there that much under Bruce. Um, and you you have him, but then you also have on the other end, Alan St. Maxman two weeks ago saying his his preferred position is to play the number 10 as well. What do you do in that situation where you already have two guys who naturally drift towards the middle of the pitch mm-hmm. and they they take overtake each other's space? Like, how do you sort that out? Under Bruce, it was like, whatever. But I'm curious to see how Eddie gets both of these guys on the pitch at the same time. How does he utilize Ryan Fraser? How does he like Matt Ritchie? Callum Wilson's a shoe in there's, there's also like, I mean, Joel Linton, if you go 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 or, or something like that, is there a space in this team for Joel Linton? It's 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 all very fascinating and it didn't answer any question, but it was just like these are all things that are just popping into my mind. And honestly, we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's the beautiful part. It's going to be really interesting to watch it to your point. A couple of names you mentioned there that I'm really curious to see what happens is Joel Linton, right? Yeah. Joel Linton has only ever known Steve Bruce as his manager at Newcastle. And he's been tried as a number nine. He's been tried on the wing. Is there a spot? in this Newcastle team, maybe not in the starting level, but is there a spot for Joel Linton in this team? I don't know. Uh, it's going to be really curious to see how he deploys him, though. And in answer to your other question around the number 10, I think ASM starts every time over Almiron, if it's a battle to who's going to be starting in that in that position, um, just for sheer creativity, flair, and goal scoring. I think that he's he's got the, the nod in all three areas there. Um, but it should be it should be fascinating to watch. One of the things that stood out to me when I was reading up about kind of his methodologies, he seems to like to have a good bounce of young players of youth and experience. I wouldn't be surprised if you see to your point, Matt Ritchie dropping to the bench in favor of a Jamal Lewis for those reasons. But I also think that uh, Matt Ritchie is probably the best deliverer of a ball at Newcastle that we have in terms of putting crosses into the box. Um, and I think that we'd miss that if he wasn't there. I, I prefer to see Matt Ritchie pushed up into more of a left wing role than a left back role and see him in a place where he can get some more crosses into the box. But, but I just don't know where maybe he fits in a, in an 11 man team in that sense. It's, it's, it's a classic situation where, and, and there, there's like even more nuances, for example, like Fabian Char, it like looks more comfortable in a back three. Whereas like, you know, other players, other center backs, like Jamal, Jamal Lascelles, like did not look comfortable in a back three when he, when we first shifted to it. And so like, there's things like, like that are fixed when you have, you know, an actual clear plan and vision for what you want players signing Joel Linton from uh, a club in Hoffenheim, where he was working underneath one of the better football minds in, in, in the entire world and Nagelsmann, 
and then taking him and chucking him into Steve Bruce and saying, all right, well, this guy played, we think he played striker at Hoffenheim and you got to figure out what to do with him. It's like there, there was no clear plan or direction uh, for mm-hmm. signing any players over the past, you know, four to five seasons, especially after Rafa left. So now you have a bunch of pieces that don't really make a very cohesive puzzle when you look at it. So, yeah. There's great names on paper, but like you said, like Matt Ritchie is, you know, one of the club's best crossers of the ball. And like right now, the only spot that makes sense from his left wing back, because you've got, you know, two other wingers that are being two other guys being played as wingers um, and Almiron and, and ASM that are a bit more dynamic on the ball and maybe offer a little bit more on the counter than maybe Matt Ritchie does. Then you got Joe Willick, who was a super sub last year and we thought was a shoe in to, to make this team. Uh, and he's, now coming off the bench and it's like, well, where, where did they see him playing? Um, he's a guy who, again, you know, in youth setups, he was playing as a 10 and, you know, because of where he was at Arsenal, he had to shift to be more of an eight. He's definitely not a six. So where does he fit in? It just seems like there was no clear plan for any of the players they brought in. And now Eddie's got to figure out how to make all the pieces fit together. And the good news is that he's not afraid to, to humble players. Um, and I'm sure that if he tells a player to go on the bench, like, He's not going to have any issue with it. Um, I think that was probably one of Steve Bruce's downfalls is that it seemed like he definitely had a very, very close attachment to players, but I think Eddie's better at walking the line and not crossing it. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. So um, on that note, uh, I asked Zach this um, when Steve Bruce was fired. Um, what player do you think, and I'd say we only choose one for this round, what player do you think would benefit the most from Eddie Howe? Eddie, wow, Eddie Howe. Uh, joining uh, Newcastle, see uh, the old head coach. Yeah, I think, I think I've think i said his name several times during the pod so far. I think it's got to be Jamal Lewis, right? You think about players that have come in and have, you know, so much potential. This is a player that Jurgen Klopp was rumored to be after at the time that we signed him. And he, um, he came to Newcastle, we came into the first team. He's had some, uh, we've, had, we've had some concerns about his game defensively and we haven't seen enough from him going forward and I think that this is the sort of player that Eddie Howe's going to be really excited to kind of get deep in the weeds with in terms of his development right there there are players who've had relative success at Newcastle like Joe Willocks ASMs players like that who's I'm sure he's very excited to work with but you see how Eddie Howe's been able to develop players players like Nathan Ake at Bournemouth, bringing him through the ranks, making him club captain um, during the last season that he was in charge at Bournemouth. I, I'm really excited to see how he can bring some of those players on. I wouldn't be shocked also if we might see Matty Longstaff come back from his stint at Aberdeen um, and maybe get a, a little trial trial run back in the, at least in the squad and maybe getting some cameo appearances off the bench. But in answer to your question, I think Jamal Lewis is, is the guy who's going to benefit the most. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good shout. I, another one that I, I still think I still think Joel Linton probably um, with uh, he's one of those players where um, over the course of of his time here, I'm starting to see what he's good at, and it's very frustrating seeing him not utilized. And it was like his hold up play has actually been really good, especially this season. And to just like not utilize that and to see us knock long balls towards Ryan Fraser and ASM just baffles me so I think that that's another player I think with confidence as well um which I think he was just starting to get I think he could really take a leap forward um if they figure out the best way to utilize him I could see us going a two striker setup to get the most out of him um but I I mean again it's just so tough to figure out where all these pieces fit because again you've got a guy who came in very used to playing a certain sort of way definitely not a like for like replacement for what they thought they were getting and now you've got you have no idea what to do with him. So I think I think that's going to be a fun one for Eddie to undertake because I'm sure he's seen the the footage of him um, in, in in Germany and seen how he was used there and and wants to emulate that in some sort of way um, at at the bare minimum because he's 25 and he's still got time to still develop uh, develop and, and reach a next level. Yeah, let me let me take a slight tangent for a second as it's something that just kind of crossed my mind as you yeah. as you're speaking then. 
There's been a lot of criticism this season of Jamal LaSalle's, the performances he's been putting in, the quality of the defending. He is our club captain. And there's likewise been a lot of clamoring for Callum Wilson to potentially take that captain's armband with him being more vocal on the pitch and being somebody who really gets stuck in every time he plays. Now, granted, Callum Wilson has a history of injuries. Now that we've got Eddie Howe joining the team, who has obviously a pre-established relationship with Wilson for many, many seasons, do you see it more likely or less likely that we could see a switch in the captaincy from LaSalle to Wilson? I would see, I'd say less likely that it happens mid-season. I, I don't I just I mean I don't know what kind of message that really sends to the rest of the squad. I mean it could be good or bad. I mean Jamal's got a tremendous like he was handed the captaincy for a reason. He actually like since he's arrived here has been a natural, very vocal leader, you know, results on the pitch aside. Again, I I understand some of the Jamal uh the Jamal LaSalle's hate. But also, I just saw there's a there's an account that does kind of like best of the rest of the six. Sorry, best of the rest, which is like all of the stats outside of the big six. And Jamal LaSalle was up there as like outside of the big six, one of the top center backs, one of the top players in the Premier League in terms of block shots this season. So, I mean, there's still moment like it's not like he's an absolute terrible player. I think the the aim for Eddie, especially given the time, the time frame is probably to try to get the most out of Jamal LaSalle's. And, and I could see naturally just overall just and I've said this so many times just due to the fact that the the age at our center back position is not ideal if Newcastle move for younger and better center backs I could see him getting phased out will that be would that be Cal, Cal Wilson I couldn't tell you um I think you know maybe but again like you said Calum's missed a lar- large chunks of the season um uh, every season for the past couple of seasons. And it's been detrimental to, to his teams. I mean, it was detrimental to Newcastle last year. Um, and you you hope that, and he was injured a little bit earlier this season already. So, I mean, you, you I agree, like maybe Jamal, his time is, is sort of petering out, but I don't think it would happen right now, um, mainly optics wise. And then secondly, it's just, Callum's I don't know if Callum's the guy just because I don't know how durable he is I don't know who would be the guy um but I don't know it just doesn't seem like Callum yeah the the optics piece is I think a really important part of this here just in terms of him being a Bournemouth old boy of Eddie Howe's I think if we'd gotten like an Unai Emery in someone like that and he decided to strip LaSalle's of the captaincy and give it to a Wilson I think that would be completely justified based on the leadership on the field that I've seen so far this season, but you're right. I think the the added layer of the pre-existing relationship is going to be an interesting one. The favorites quote unquote that he may have on the field in, you know, um, in Fraser, in Wilson and in Matt Ritchie, I think is, is an interesting dynamic here too. So yeah, I appreciate you answering that one. And then one last question for you, Elijah, put you on the spot here. You talked about how Eddie Howe had really come well prepared to the interviews. Um, and something I thought of as you were saying that was, I truly feel like the owners were trying to sell themselves to Emery and Howe was trying to sell himself to the owners. And I kind of like the idea that Howe got hired based on that um, as a result, because it really shows that he wanted the job, right? He was the one that was pushing himself for it. But I digress. You said that he had a plan for Newcastle, that he had identified some January signings. Oh, don't do this. <laughs> Who do you think oh, would be the top three, not just positions, but players that Howe might recommend for Newcastle to improve them in the transfer window? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, I would be shocked if Newcastle... Uh, here's my top three, I would say. I'd say you want another central midfielder. Um, you probably want another center back for that reason I just said which is um, Jamal LaSalle is the youngest center back, you know, in the first team picture, at least at the club. And I want to say he's 26 or 27. So you just, you want to get younger at that position or you just want more people around that age range. Um, there's been links to Sule um, on a free in the summer. There's been links to Tarkowski because he also is looking to maybe leave Burnley as well. So I think there's a, some decent targets in the center back range, central midfield range. You can go, 
a lot of different routes. If you were to tell me, like, if Newcastle wanted to make a splash signing at the central midfield position, it makes no sense with this the, with this roster construction. They definitely need a CDM. But if you could get Donnie Van de Beek in here and free him from the 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 grass of of <laughs> of, uh, of of being on the bench at Man U, that would be sick. But it, it definitely won't happen. Um, but I would love that. And striker wise, I mean, I don't know. I think you just need someone who's going to be a consistent kind of proper number nine. Um, maybe Gale turns into that, but I just don't. I honestly don't think Gale is a Premier League quality striker um, on a consistent basis. I don't know if I would trust Gale to to pr- produce the same amount um, as Calum Wilson if Calum Wilson was injured. And I think ideally you want to bring in a striker that if Calum goes down, you don't feel like we're scrambling for goals. And I feel like right now, if Calum went down right now, we're scrambling for goals. There's no one else really that I feel like can score with, you know, multiple at multiple levels. Like I think Gail's a great poacher, but I feel like Calum's great in the air. Calum's great making those secondary runs. Calum's great. He's a great poacher as well. I mean, he's great with both feet. I mean, there's he's just more of a complete striker than any other options we have. I think Newcastle have to be looking to find another complete striker. And I don't think that that person needs to be young. I think you can go out and try to, you know, you know, get someone who's 29, 30, but as long as they're kind of up for the idea of being, you know, maybe second fiddle um, and and being an impact guy, then I think you can go after anyone, Um, you know, maybe, maybe it didn't like who I've wanted Newcastle sign forever. Go and get Danny Ings. Dude's a, (laughs) dude's a beast. Um, But yeah, I mean, Again, I don't have names off the top of my head, but I would target those three positions. Um, I think everywhere yeah. else you're set. Like, if you wanted to go to a system with cams, you've got three options. I mean, and arguably Sean Longstaff's best position is as a cam. It's He's not a great one, but that's his best games have been him somehow playing a number 10 role. And again, it's been in cup matches and stuff like that. But you've got plenty of options there. You've got, you know, decent options at the eight. You've got decent options out wide. Um, you know, fullbacks, you're you you have options, I guess. I honestly, maybe, maybe you could improve there. I think you could probably bring in another right back, but I don't want to get too greedy. I'd say three positions, but center back and central midfielder. Ideally, you want a CDM um alongside Hayden or just to spell Hayden, um, just in case he 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 gets injured, which could happen as well. Um, I don't know. Did you have anyone in mind yourself? Yeah, I um, I agree with the three positions that you've identified as being probably the, the highest need right now. I also agree that I think that we could use strengthening in the wingback positions too, but I digress. I think the, um, the, the top target for me is we don't have any backup for Callum Wilson. If he goes down to your point, we very much are reliant on his goals. And somebody I mentioned to Zach the other day that I thought would be a really good realistic target for us to, to aim for is Divock Origi mm. um, at Liverpool. He's a player that plays very infrequently, but when he's been asked to come in, he's scored goals in the Champions League. He scored goals in the Premier League. He's a good striker. Um, and I feel like you could sell him on, hey, come to Newcastle and play every week. Um, and I think that he'd do a good job for us. So there I like the idea of that. Uh, Van de Beek, uh, I don't know. Um, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk around Manchester about him being massively overrated. Now, Solskjaer is not a great coach either. I don't think he's necessarily the play, the manager to get the best out of him. And he obviously did really well at Ajax before he came to Old Trafford. So I'd like to see that more realistic. I think for me would be a James Ward Prowse, somebody coming from a team that's, you know, down, down in the same sort of depths of the league as we are but would look at Newcastle as somewhat of a step up in terms of size of stadium potential um, and come in and be that creative midfielder that we, we so desperately need. Here's another name out here. Um, I feel like Ruben Loftus-Cheek is a guy who is very inconsistent for Chelsea in terms of like amount of play time. I, I will see if that changes, but I don't know. That's another guy that I think you could, you could poke, you could poke and prod and see if he's someone who would be available. Maybe I'm absolutely off the cuff there, but I feel like that's a name where a couple couple seasons ago he was supposed to be the next big thing, but then Chelsea went out and signed forty thousand players, and now you don't know who's actually yeah. playing for them and who's not. 
It's an, it's interesting. We've gone from um, having the single name players from Chelsea and Jeremy and Kennedy to now <laughs> thinking about the double barrel last name ones in <laughs> Hudson Adoy. Say Hudson Adoy. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so my point being, I think that Chelsea, if they're not good enough to cut it at Chelsea, they very rarely are going to be superstars elsewhere. Um, so I, I, I like to shout Loftus Cheek is fleeted with the England squad in the past as well. It's like he's a decent player, but I don't th- I don't see him as being any better than than Joe Willock, to be honest. Interesting, uh, but I see him. I, I would say him, I would see him better than being John Joe Shelby. Oh, absolutely. And, that, yeah. and, and, that, if we're, and if we're that, talking between the two of them, and, and that's my thing is like, and that's what I think we have to remember at the window is that it's 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 not about, especially in January. I don't know if you're going to get world class players. Um, I I doubt you will. Um, especially in the state of Newcastle in, but you want improvements over your day-to-day options. And if you if your options go from Jeff Hendrick, Joe Willock, John Joe Shelby, Isaac Hayden to, you know, Jeff Hendrick, Joe Willock, John Joe Shelby, Isaac Hayden, Ru- Ru- and Ruben Loftus-Cheek, it's like, all right, well, now I feel a little bit better. Like the, the, the squad is strengthened, you know, a little bit. Um and you have to remember, I mean, and again, it's it's tough because we honestly don't even know the transfer policy of the of this new Saudi regime and how transfers will even happen. I mean, it, it, that's a different conversation altogether. But part of the whole issue with this managerial search is that things have to get approved by the folks in Saudi Arabia before any decisions are made. And so, like, what constitutes a, an important decision? Is it chucking 20 mil at a player or is it your, you know, 60 million pound signings like what constitutes something that we need to go all the way to Saudi Arabia for and how feasible of a of a strategy is that that's a different conversation um we only got a couple couple more things on this emergency pod um we got a couple fan questions so I'll go ahead and get those go get those going um so uh first one um comes from Mr. Studio Worldwide at yo underscore ho underscore no underscore mo now that Howe's managing the squad, where do you see Newcastle finishing? And if Newcastle gets relegated, do you see Howe staying on board? So, Adam, take a crack at that. Um, I think we'll stay up. I think that we will finish bottom half for sure. Realistic, I think, would probably be somewhere around 15th. Mm. Um, I see Howe staying at the helm regardless of whether or not we get relegated or not. Um, I think that he will be in charge of Newcastle next season. Um, he's got experience in the championship. He's brought Bournemouth up from it. Um, it's not his fault. He's inher- inheriting a team that is so poor right now and is, you know, starting off on such an uneven footing uh, compared comparative to other teams. But he's got a real chance over the course of the next four games with Brentford, with Norwich, and with Burnley to come if he can take nine points from those and maximum return from those we're back in with a shout here so i i see a staying up and i see a kind of lower half of the table finish is, is probably a realistic target for us yeah i think the realistic thing to look at it is like looking at premier league trends over the last few seasons you're looking at 10 wins and maybe a couple more draws and you're probably safe um o- over the course of the season again it's, it's it's basically how do you get you know 31 32 more points I think it's feasible. I say 16th. I think we're, again, bottom half of the table, um, just doing enough. Um, and I think that there's a lot of – I'm curious to see with already seeing a lot of teams starting to move on from managers, how that's going to play out. Um, you know, Villa is an interesting one. I mean, they're bringing in a new manager who's not really managed in the Premier League before, um, has managed, and managed a team that's dominated their league and he's been dominated in Europe. So it's like, how good is this manager going to be? Not naming any names. And so we'll see like how other teams uh, compete. We're still looking, waiting on Norwich and what they're going to do. Um, I'm curious to see what happens with Watford. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there'll be a lot of, you know, uncertainty. And, and there it's, and I, I don't know, it's a very real chance that Newcastle get relegated. But the one thing that they have over everyone else is the fact that out of all the relegation fodder, they have the most money to spend. And so if they feel like it's going to be, you know, very close, I could see them overpaying for, for certain players to try to make it work. And it may be stupid. It may be, it may look, it may take, we may take a massive loss, um, you know, and it'd be a very short-sighted 
you know, solution to an issue, but I could see ownership doing that because um, when you're protect, you want to protect an investment. So I could see them splashing the cash in January to do whatever it takes type of thing. Um, Overpaying players, the whole nine yards. And we got one more fan question from Eric Schmidt at NUFC Indiana. Do you think how is a big, big enough name or we'll be able to attract the next caliber player we need going forward this project, or we'll be limited because he isn't a flashy European appointment, such as Emery, Favre, Fonesca, oh, sorry, Fonseca, Conte, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's a, it's a very fair question, I think. Um, and that was obviously the worry in terms of not getting the Emery of uh, Emery's of the world and getting Eddie Howe. I think it depends on the appointment of technical director or director of football. If we can get somebody into that role, that has done this before is pretty well seasoned. I forget the gentleman's name, but he's um, leaving Liverpool now. And there were questions about it in the press conference today, whether or not he'd be the next appointment, they were immediately kind of shot down and um, kind of brushed off, but that, that would be a great signing. When you think of the caliber of player that Liverpool have been able to sign over the past 10 years, you know, top, top quality players. So I don't think it's all about Eddie Howe. And I think that you can sell the, type of manager he is, the type of person that he is, and the desire and the hunger that he has over necessarily the fact that he's really brought some of the biggest players into his club in the past, because Bournemouth just didn't really have the budget to be able to do that. Yeah, um, I I mean, I I think, I think, like, and again, um, and he kind of has, he said, I'm not talking about Mbappe level signings, realistic next level up type signings from the current squad we have. I think that they, I think like we will be able to make those signings. Um, I think it would have been regardless of the manager. Like you said, you bring in the right fo- football director, then you're, you're kind of, you're kind of in a good spot regardless. Um, but we also have the element of, um, and this will, it, it can hurt or harm you. You'll be able to, you'll, you'll, negotiations will be fine. I think the, the, the biggest thing is that what attracts players is not only the managers, a number of things, but it's like, we also have to make sure we have the facilities in place, the infrastructure in place, the, the actual, you know, backing to, to make us look like an attractive club for people to come to. And so what, if, if we're starting to see players not want to come to Newcastle, I don't think it will be because of the manager. I think it'll be because of all the external factors. Um, like, you know, them going to the training ground and, and seeing that it's not in a great, you know, not in the best shape or them, you know, starting to question uh, kind of the structure of the club and, and where they see themselves fitting in, in into the club. So I think that, you know, at least for the time being, I have faith that Eddie can can make those next level signings um, because I, I think that a lot of it will will come down to who who's actually negotiating, who's actually doing the recruiting and Eddie's going to kind of be on the back end of it. And if the results are holding up, if Newcastle are, you know, still mid mid to upper table Premier League, I think that's fine. Uh, you look at what other teams around us are doing with less well-known managers, and they're they're doing fine. Um, the the players that Aston Villa and West Ham were able to bring in, despite not having, you know, world-class managers, I think they're fine. You look at Wolves and what they brought in with under Nuno, and they were able to bring in quality players that improved their side, and they were fine. I think if the results are, are speaking for themselves, the investment's clearly there, there's an effort from the ownership, and there's a clear structure in place, it's going to be hard for a lot of players to turn down the opportunity to play in the Premier League. Yeah, and you sell the project as well, right? Because that's, oh, yeah. I think that's the, the big thing right here is obviously Newcastle have the capital and the money. Money's not a problem anymore. Um, and we're finally going to be able to attract some of the bigger names. I think, you know, three to five years from now is when I'm going to be super excited about the caliber of player that we can bring in. We just need players that can do a job for us now and that are committed and are driven to the cause. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Adam, I'm gonna kick it to you to close this out. I know you've got some, some questions for me regarding Eddie Howe, and I'm going to make myself look like a fool. So let's, let's go for it. <laughs> All right. We're going to do a quick Eddie Howe fact file. Prepped a few questions for you here, Elijah. Oh gosh. Let's, let's get right into it. I think you, you're, you're going to be pretty close here because I think you alluded to it already. How, how old is Eddie Howe? Oh, okay. Now I'm, now I'm stuck between two numbers. I'm going to go the lower number. I'm going to say he's 43. He's absolutely 43. Well done, go. sir. Uh, what position did he play as, as a player? Mm. Okay. Let's 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 use our brains here. He's not a big guy. 
So he's definitely not a goalkeeper or center back. Um, I don't know. He looks like he's probably like, mm, maybe, maybe he was a central midfielder. I'm going to go like a cam, maybe something along those lines. You got the central bit right, but he was a center back. So uh, he was, a he was a center back. He was. Yeah. He played alongside Jason Tyndall for Bournemouth. He, wait, he was a center back. How, how tall? Wait, I know. I got to look this up. Yeah. He doesn't look like he's tall enough to be a center back. I don't think he was a tall center back, but he was certainly a center back. <laughs> okay. All right. We're see. He's 5'10. Okay. Come uh, like well, that's why he wasn't a super successful player, right? Yeah, that yeah, I, yeah <laughs> exactly. I feel five ten center back. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. Well, there, there's my logic out of the window. There you go. All right. Well, how old was Eddie Howe when he was forced to retire from his playing career in football? Oh, I'm going to say he was like, because I want to say he took over at Bournemouth when he was like mid 30s. And before that, he was already working at the club in a different capacity. So I would say he was like 20, 28. You're close. He he was 30. He became a player coach at 29. I was close. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, Does Eddie Howe have any full international caps? Oh, the fact that you said full makes me think no, because I'm, I'm guessing he had a couple youth team caps. You're absolutely correct. He did not have any full international caps. He had two for England under 21s, though. All right. Um, okay, a couple of fun ones here. Um, if you consider Eddie Howe to be the president, what is the name of the first lady? Oh, geez. You're asking his wife. I don't know. Marissa. <laughs> shame on you she's vicky Howe. please get that right oh, next time. Gosh. <laughs> and they have three beautiful boys as well oh, three, there you three, go. three kids uh who did eddie Howe support growing up oh um not newcastle no um dude that's tough um mm, uh, sure let's just say man you he actually supported everton Okay. Rafa well, Benitez's Everton. So he he's used to pain. Yep, he is. So last question for you. Um, I'm interested to see if you know this. Bournemouth played five seasons in the Premier League. One of those seasons, Newcastle was in the championship. So they've played at St. James's Park under Eddie Howe four times. Okay. What was Eddie Howe's record at St. James's Park for Bournemouth? Oh, okay. One win, one draw, and two losses. You're pretty close. Um, he actually has two wins and two losses. The two wins came first, and then his last two appearances with Bournemouth at St. James's Park were both losses. Yeah, I remember. I, I do remember Newcastle beating them, uh, t- like at, in the relegation season, because that was one of like that was like one of the ASM. Like that was like one of ASM's breakout games. Um, mm-hmm. During that, that was during the uh, no fans moment of uh, yep. of, uh, of of uh, of the old Premier League season. What a wild season that was! That happened. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, that that's it. So yeah, Eddie Howe, new manager of Newcastle. Any any parting words for the uh, for the for the faithful, the Toon Army faithful? Uh, just keep the faith. I think we've got a great young manager here. I'm very excited for what the future will hold. This is somebody who is going to give it absolutely everything 110% on a daily basis. And if we do go down this season, it won't be for want of trying. I truly believe that he's he's a great, great appointment by the club. And um, I'm, I'm keeping the faith here. I think they're, they're, they're smart and they know what they're doing. Yeah. And um, yeah, um, that's all we got for you today. We'll be back at some point in the future, maybe on a more consistent basis. Who knows? Away the lads. We love you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Away the last. If you never win the cup again, I'll pray the dark at St. James's Park. If the Gallagher's end to the rain, I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Jody and to live in Jody land. Some people think we're 40. And we're hard to understand.
And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cause the people in the big fat city Haven't had it tough as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how are I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Phoenix door. He plays a mean accordion, you've all seen him there before. And I love the Geordie heroes, there's so many famous names like Linda Swan in Gaza, Brendan Foster in the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again. I'll brave the darkness in James's Park, in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne. I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away. I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound And me mother saying, hey, how we I'm coming home, Newcastle I might as well have been in jail I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of your own brown nail I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog in St. James's Park In the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home